Well, hi everybody, and thank you for joining me for week seven of Survival Beyond the Bugout Bag. I'm Bill Bateman, part of the team here at Refuse to Be a Victim Personal Protection Training. We're located in the Medford White City area. I'd like to start out by reminding everybody that the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that my opinions. Your opinion, it's welcome to send your comments or any great ideas you want to share to podcast at wits-and.com. Wits and. It's in the description of this program as a link. Give it a click. I'll try and get back as quickly as I can. Okay, this week I got a lot to share with you. A lot of really interesting good stuff and then a few things nobody wants to talk about. Now, special note, I'm really excited. We got finally got the big boss in here. I'm going to have to look busy. Phil Gramatica himself is going to come in for a discussion of getting physically fit and helping build a survival attitude and mindset. We talked lightly about this earlier, and now you're going to get the real deal from Phil himself. It's something he does include as part of his CHL class. And by the way, the next one of those happens on December the 8th. There's only two spaces left as I record this, but as kind of a holiday bonus, if we get enough interest, we will add another class on Saturday, December 15th. You can get full information on the class link at the top of the page. Okay, I'm also really pleased to announce we managed to put together a CPR first aid class. We're going to be offering that the week after Christmas on Saturday, December 29th. The cost is $50 per person, and I'll be adding full details on the front page of this website. There'll be a link in the announcement you can click to register. I need to point out this is first come, first serve, and because we got folks coming in on a holiday uh, holiday weekend this is non-refundable we ask you to plan carefully as we're all busy during the holiday season you will be certified in adult cpr aed basic first aid and basic gunshot trauma care i'm also inviting everybody to share these podcasts with their friends and family and you know talking about sharing we talk about the iron skillet a few times uh, that's in phoenix we have our brunch business meetings there and i thought it'd be nice the next time you go in to give Lori a shout out she's just one of the many really cool people on the team there at the iron skillet okay We've talked about phase one, and I think we've completed it. We began with the bug out bag and then went through all of its incarnations. If you're just joining us, we've been talking about the supplies, the basic concept of being prepared. And and for the next several sessions, we're going to be talking about how to accomplish the personal aspects of preparation, both the physical and the mental. Now, to kind of put this whole thing in perspective, let's take a look at the events of the last few weeks and see where things are now. I talked about those fires in California. It happened both the north and the south end of the state. And I was initially surprised when people got upset that I mentioned these things in casual conversation. Apparently, it distracts folks from that bubble of denial most of us live in. This is kind of a big project for me, and as deeply as I'm involved, I tend to discuss things I've discovered with my co-workers and friends. One thing is clear. Nobody wants to hear how fragile your status is or mine. You want instant homelessness? Just add fire or an earthquake or a major disruption. You 
can become one of them. Think I'm making it up? While researching this, I saw a picture of a man piling his belongings into a shopping cart, stuffing them in a plastic bag in the rain, being moved on from a Walmart parking lot. Until I read the caption, I thought it was just one of those common scenes of a homeless guy, and technically it was, but a few days before that, he was you and me. He had a house, a car, closet full of stuff, pictures of the kids on the dressers, and it's all gone. It happens just that fast. I was looking at a story in the Sacramento Bee, and it reads that more than a 100 evacuees had set up tents in the Walmart parking lot area in Chico, and that's very close to the destroyed town of Paradise. Co-organizer of the group said the Red Cross told them the camp had to be shut down by 1 p.m., and in fact, that did happen. The Red Cross went on to say it wasn't the charity's decision to shut the camp down, and was making people aware of the shelters in the area. Now, emergency officials went on records, were aware, but said federal assistance wasn't available. They also urged the people to go to the shelters. The shelters were already full beyond capacity and had outbreaks of norovirus reported at three of the camps, and MRSA was also in that report. This is a classic case of you can't stay here, but there's no place to go. There are 13,000 homes destroyed in that area. Those people are going where? This is the same thing we saw with Katrina. Simply, when there is a major disruption, people have to go somewhere, and really, humanity as a whole, individually in our own little homes, we do pretty well. But as a crowd in what was formerly the park downtown, we just get really annoying really quickly. I've included the link to this story and urge you to research this. The real conundrum, we need to be together to share supplies, to share support, to blend our skills and do things we can do to help others get back on their feet. But we can't be if the shelters are not able to deal with the situation. One thing I want to hope we all kind of put off the mental checklist is it won't happen here and it won't happen to me. Sorry, wrong. It can happen. A lot can happen to a person in 48 hours. And what's even scarier about this, it's no longer a big news event, so we move on. Avoidance. We look away. We don't want to admit that could be you or me. Uh, Flint still has serious water issues. You, You all knew that, right? On top of that, the rains followed, and that added to the problems. Possibility of flash floods, mudslides, and making things just downright miserable. You also can't go back to your home, where your home used to be, once you're allowed in, because the rain turns all of that stuff into this really toxic sludge that you have to sift through to try and get your stuff, that which may be left. These are unfortunate examples of the fact that you and I really need to be a lot more self-sufficient than, frankly, I thought we would be, And we're going to have to be that way for a lot longer. The 72-hour thing is a good place to start, but the scale of problems is increasing. And let's just look at a side example. During the fire, during that whole episode from San Francisco to Davis, communities experienced bad air quality due to the fire. Now, a lot of communities uh, made that extra effort and gave out those free N95 face masks but they quickly ran out. They're called N95, by the way, because they 
filter out 95% of the particulates that are headed for your lungs. And they have to be worn correctly. That means, yes, you have to pinch your nose and have it tight under your chin. At one point, the air quality in Sacramento was 316. That's considered extremely unhealthful. Now, as a point of reference, when I checked as I was writing this, it's currently 12 here in Ashland. That would be less. We needed them here in Ashland during the fire season the last two years. Just this year, we were above the 300 reading for a number of days, and in the mid-200 was the norm. This is appearing to be more of a trend than a one-time apocalyptic event. I'm not going to plan on relying on the charity of strangers. I bought a box of these masks for less than a dollar apiece. eighteen ninety-five for 20 of them on Amazon. I've included the link for that. There's also another series of choices in that listing to give you some ideas. By the way, you can go a lot higher in filtration quality, and that would be determined by what is near you, both physically and upwind. This would mean if there's a chemical plant, nuclear facility, any kind of large industrial complex that could be compromised, you might want to be aware of what's in your neighborhood and what filtration you might want to have. Now, prices for these masks go up from box for $18, $19 to up to $300 for the radiological-grade filters. You have a lot of options on what you can buy, and depending on the hazards that you may face, you should probably make that decision, have that conversation with your family. And yes, they do come in children's sizes. One other tip I found, as I mentioned previously, I bought a lot of things uh, to test and to try out. And like anything else you buy new, I urge you to take it out of the box and play with it in advance, especially something this important. If you're going to get yourself some kind of filter, how do you put it on? Do you need to adjust the size? How do you change the filters if those filters are indeed changeable? Do you have spares? Read the directions a few times. It's also a good idea to examine it for defects or missing pieces. Hey, this is broken! Is not something you want to hear from your wife or kids when you're running for the car. I followed this advice with the water filters I bought. It turned out to be really useful. I suggest you have a specific place in your bug-out bag or your home for those spare water filters or replacement cartridges. I took some of my spare filters along with a part of the box to help identify it and reorder should that become necessary. Put them all on a plastic lunch bag, sealed them up, and I'm keeping them all in one area of my bag. The filter for my water straw is about the size of a dime and it would never be found if it was just rolling around loose at the bottom of a huge backpack. I've included a link from the prepared for a list of the best respirators and gas masks and things depending on the need you have and I've also added some items to our must-have list things we should have no matter where we are and of course if you've been with me before we're talking about food water that type of thing to that we're adding eye protection hearing protection respiratory or lung protection and hand protection in the form of really good gloves. These have been mentioned before, but I want to emphasize them again right now. There's a lot of decisions we need to make involving the steps we'll take when a problem hits, and you don't have decision-making time. 
you don't have time to sit down and have that conversation when uh, there's flames over the hill. The hardest questions are psychological and they're all about the choices you're going to make. One thing that just came up out of the blue while reading about these shelters, weapons are not allowed in a shelter. It opens, however, a whole new school of thought. As in every list I've read, it says carry some items for personal defense in your bag. This could include pepper spray, stun guns, tasers, knives, tactical pens, or a firearm. Okay, you're going to check into the shelter. You need to give them up. Legal liability. What do you do with them? What if they're lost, stolen, or misplaced? And who are you turning them over to? Some gay named Bruce with a name tag? Who is he? For how long can you get them back? Or are you simply giving these away? These are all factors you need to think about now and plan for accordingly in advance. Another thing no one wants to talk about is sanitation. That gives a whole new meaning of having no place to go. Even with no disaster in place, my son tells me stories of the mean streets of Portland. I'm talking about concerns of proper waste disposal. I mentioned in a previous episode, being careful in the wild, that you don't contaminate the water and spread disease around the campsite. That is even more of a priority because there's far more concrete and far less space. Sanitation and cleanliness, especially when handling food or dealing with medical emergencies like cuts and scrapes, is critical. How critical? Let's look at Los Angeles in October of 18. They had an outbreak of typhus. This is spread by lice, rodents, compounded by poor hygiene habits. I'm including a link on dealing with both cleanliness and body waste in times of chaos. There's a lot of good information there. As you look around that site, you'll find information on hand wipes, sanitizing solutions you can make up, portable and home solutions for dealing with going to the bathroom, proper sanitation and cleanliness, disposal of wastes, both solid and liquid, as well as personal items, emergency latrines and urban and camping situations, non-impacting on the water supply. And now we get into an interesting issue of private property, both yours and mine, and state and federal land. What about campgrounds? What about the national forests? What about those schools and public football fields and parks? What are the regulations? Is there any contingency for an emergency situation in your area? What are the rules? What are the policies? And if they haven't been put together, what time are you available to meet with us on this? One good group to get involved with is CERT, Community Emergency Response Team. Why? Well, as FEMA says, you are the help until help arrives. It's a good way to come together and correct problems, and I've added links to the Medford and Ashland CERTS program. It's uh, very worth getting involved with, and it's something we can do here in the community. I've also added a link because a lot of the information they provide is available for free on the website, and you can watch the videos and get a little advanced preparation. One final thing is Jackson County has a citizen alert system. You can go to the link I'm providing, Jackson County Citizen Alert, and they'll send you a text if something's happening in your area. So what are the takeaways from this week? 
Well, like it or not, we all need to plan to be more self-sufficient. I'm not here to point fingers and cast blame. That is kind of counterproductive. I think everybody's trying to do the best they can with what they have. I have decided to be as self-sufficient as I can be for as long as I can because I see that as the trend of the future. Denial? Well, it's a great river in Egypt, but a bad state of mind. Boys and girls, it can happen here. It can happen to us. Some things, like major medical, should be dealt with by the professionals, but we, you and I, should be able to deal with the low-hanging fruit, so to speak. We should be able to give CPR or stop bleeding. That's something I think is my responsibility to learn. I am physically fit and emotionally able to do that, and if you are, please join me. By the way, we can all learn. You'd be surprised what we can all do in an emergency. I think it's a good idea to try and find out the rules and regulations in our area as far as shelters and services available right now if we plan on being able to use them effectively in the future. And if there aren't any or they aren't going to meet our needs, today is a good time to start talking about that. Test and get familiar with items that you buy. They should not all still be in the box when you have to go and use them. You haven't read the directions yet. I also really recommend keeping small, easily lost replacement parts and items together with a tag or a piece of the box to identify the model and information about that product and keep them all in one area of your bug out bag. We can all be proactive. Sign up for alerts, share your skills with the CERT team, or work with your neighbors, your churches, or your clubs. There's a lot of things that we can put together once we pull our head out of the sand and realize, hey, storm's coming. Time to put up some sandbags. Okay, that's it for this week. Remember to sign up for our CPR first aid class on December 29th at 5 p.m. Hope to see you in the CHL class. Remember, we're adding an extra one for this month. If we get enough interest, we're happy to do that. I'm Bill Bateman. This program is copyright refused to be a victim personal protection training 2018. It may not be rebroadcast, edited, or sold without the express written permission of this company. However, it may be downloaded and shared by guests to this website for non-commercial entertainment purposes, and I encourage you to share this with your friends via email, Facebook, Twitter, Helium Balloon, Shape Like a Podcast, you can do whatever you want. So next week, join Phil and me for a look at the physical and psychological preparedness. Until then, I'll see you at the range.